Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Our guest today needs very little introduction. I'm sure you've seen this name all over Instagram or at the jewelry counter of your favorite department store. But Kendra Scott is a fashion designer and the designer, founder, and CEO of the iconic jewelry label, Kendra Scott. I mean, this is iconic, you guys, iconic. She designed her first collection with just $500 in her spare bedroom. And now Kendra's built an empire worth over $1 billion. Yes, I actually meant billion with a B. But she's not just a badass businesswoman, an incredible jewelry designer. I'm also a huge fan of Kendra because of the way that she understands business. As she explains in this episode, she has used a family-first model and an empathetic approach to business that is extremely different and even kind of controversial from other billion-dollar companies or even kind of any other huge major companies out there. She is literally transforming not only just the jewelry industry, but how we think of and what we expect out of our workplace. I mean, this conversation really blew my mind in so many different ways. I think you guys are going to love it. It's really going to make you rethink like what's important, why we do business, and who we want to show up as even in our business life. Kendra has such an incredible story and so much great advice for work-life balance, being a woman in the workforce, and creating a life you love. I mean, I, I know I keep saying this word iconic. I even told her you are an icon. There's no better way to say it, you guys. Kendra Scott is freaking iconic. This conversation blew me away, and I know you are going to love it too. Please welcome the one and only Kendra Scott to the Every Girl Podcast. How did you do six kids? Well, okay, so three of mine I, I got by marrying my amazing husband. So, the, but three of my own. So, my oldest is twenty one, and he was a three months old when I started Kendra Scott. So, every year that the business has grown a year older, so has my son, who's now like six foot two inches. And oh my, gosh. you know, it's crazy. So, yeah, we have four boys and two girls, ages nine to twenty one. Four yes. boys and two girls. Oh We're my the gosh. Brady Bunch. We're you, the Brady you Bunch. You literally are as going to say the Brady Bunch. Yeah, we are. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so special. Do you love, like, do you all come together and sit around and have like big, fun family dinners? Like I, I've always wanted a huge family. So it must be so fun. Yes. My house is constant chaos, but in the best <laughs> way. 
And all of them are home except for my 21-year-old, but he's at University of Texas here in Austin. So his apartment on campus is just a few blocks away from our house. So he's at the house for dinner often um, because, hello, you know, mom's cooking's pretty great. I mean, the best. You know, right. So I do, we get all of them around many nights, at least, you know, one night a week, I have all of them around the table. And then my 18-year-old, he loves to cook. So he's always cooking also for everyone. So it's fun. I mean, and then I have all their friends. So we're like the house, we're the house. So I always plan a meal for about 12 to 15 people each night because I never know which kid's going to have a buddy over. Right. Oh (laughs) my gosh. It's like you're, you kind of have like a small basketball team with you. I do. Yeah. And I love it. And I, I I say this all the time though. I don't know what I would do if I, I mean, when it's quiet in my house, I'm like, what's happening? Something's wrong. Like something's going on. (laughs) We have five dogs and five six dogs. kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Kendra. You yeah. you need a reality show about the five, <laughs> the six kids, the five dogs. Like I need to see this. I need to see how you are doing it. How does that happen? <laughs> Let me just tell you, I usually have like, you know, peanut butter and jelly on my jeans or something when I'm walking into the office. So it's chaotic, but it's fun. I mean, I love it. And it keeps me, you know, young and energized. <laughs> I, I can imagine it keeps you pretty young. Yeah. It keeps in your toes for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Oh my God, that's so wild. Well, Kendra Scott, welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. You are an absolute icon, so I cannot wait to talk to you. I'm so honored that you are here with us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here and thank you for having me. And I and, and icons too much, but thank you for that. That's sweet. I think it's well-earned. I don't think it's too much. <laughs> I think it's well-earned. <laughs> okay, Kendra, let's start at the very beginning because for someone like you who has grown this huge empire I always am curious, what was your childhood like? Like when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? Like, tell me about kind of the back to the very beginning. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I grew up in a little town in Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is between Milwaukee and Chicago. And so it's not like the fashion Mecca of the world. I I love Kenosha, hardworking. My mom's family were farmers and coal miners. But my aunt, my dad's sister, was a fashion director for a little department store in Milwaukee called Gimbel's. And I would go visit her and she would show me all the slides from her going to Milan and Paris to all the fashion shows. And we'd watch them on the basement wall and she'd be clicking through the slides and she'd be like, honey, okay, this is, you know, my job is to take the trends and make them for every woman to wear. So she'd be like, what do you keep seeing? And I'd be like, shoulder pads and plaid, Aunt Jo. You know, and she's like... Yeah. You know, and so here I was this little girl, seven years old, watching this world of fashion, being around this amazing woman who was so confident. And even at that time, so that's like, you know, eighties, early eighties, she was one of the only female fashion directors. Most of those positions were held by men who are buying fashion for women, which is so crazy. So she was even a trailblazer in her own right back then. So I just looked up and admired her. And I felt like fashion was magic. I could go in her closet and put on a Donna Karen cardigan and a, her jewelry and slip in you know, my little feet into her high heels. And suddenly I could be anybody I wanted to be. I, I wasn't just this little girl in a small town from Wisconsin. And I knew that I wanted to be part of that industry. I just knew how it made me feel. And I thought, I want to bring this to everybody. And so, yeah, from a little girl, I really was all about fashion and design. And to think that here I am as a 
grown up woman getting to live my childhood dream is really, I think, just beyond anything I could have ever dreamt. That is wild. Like if only that little girl could see you now, like it's wild. It's so cool to think about. But that's so interesting to me that even from a young age, you had this idea of like, I'm, I don't want to like put words in your mouth, but like, like you're destined for more. You like know what's out there. You know what you can do. Where do you think that that came from? Was it because you saw your aunt going out there, traveling, doing a lot, but it's, you know, I'm just so curious, like you coming from this little town and, you know, like what we know as a kid, that's all we know is our, our worldview. Did you have a, anything that kind of gave you that ability to see this is what I almost want to like manifest in my life? Yeah. You know, I'm, I was really blessed because I have, you know, not only this amazing, you know, glamorous aunt who still is, by the way, one of the most fashionable women I know, let me tell you, I had an amazing, you know, mom and dad, and they were role models for me. My dad was what he calls a country lawyer. Um, He would just basically take any case that walked in. He set up his own little law practice. He was the first one in his family, not just to go to college, but then to go on to law school. And so he had formed his own practice and I would go and work there with him and filing and things after school. And my mom was a Mary Kay director. She sold Mary Kay cosmetics and she was there as a homemaker for us, but then also, you know, making up these little pink bags of goodies uh, with cosmetics and we'd be delivering them to all of her clients. She became a director. So she started teaching and empowering other women. They were actually called the Jan's Jewels. Stop. And they That's would, so cool. Yes. Yes. And they would meet in our basement and they would have their, you know, like Monday meetings where they'd all come in. I always say they look like pink flamingos walking in my front door. And they were about these women just supporting each other and loving each other. And not just about their business that they were creating, but in their lives. If somebody was going through a divorce or going through a hard time, this group of women were there. And I think watching these things, watching my dad build his little law practice, watching my mom empower and inspire women and form a business of her own out of our laundry room, were all planting the seeds for the future of who I was going to become. And I also had this wonderful gift that I had parents that told me I could be anything I wanted to be, that there was endless possibilities for me and to think big and to dream big. And they gave me, I guess, instilled in me this ability to believe in myself that I don't know if I would have had if I hadn't looked at them and saw so truly that they were like, Kendra, you're destined for great things, whether I was or not, right? Knowing that someone else saw that gave me the strength to try, to just try and be like, okay, I want to do something. I want to do something bigger than what other people think I might be able to do. Cause I know my mom says it, my dad says it, I've got it. So, you know, I think as parents, it's such an important thing for us And even just as role models with other youngsters, you know, I meet young individuals all the time and I look at them and I'm like, I see you. And I'm not just saying it like, you know, I cannot wait to see what you do. And the more I think we can do that for that younger generation is so important for sure. That's so powerful. And that's so interesting. It is kind of like the twofold of you got to see your parents being hustlers. And it's also cool because it sounds like they both made a lot happen for themselves. You know, it's not like that they were just hard workers, which would be amazing in itself, but that they were like actually making things happen. So that's so cool that you got to see that, but then instilling that confidence in you that you can do that too. That's so powerful and such a powerful message. 
Well, you know, I, in my, so I just recently put out a memoir, Born to Shine, and I wrote it over COVID. And so many of the stories and the chapters of those bo- of my book is these stories of those moments I spent with my mom, you know, packaging up her orders and seeing how she treated customers and, and how that then was reflective in the brand I've built today. She used to tell me that when her customers would open up a box, she wanted it to be like a butterfly release. And I would use those same terms when I would be talking to my graphic design team or marketing team, like when the customer is opening a yellow Kendra Scott box, I want the bag to be beautiful. I want every part of this experience to surprise and delight her and be a butterfly release. And (laughs) and I'd start laughing, thinking this is coming from me listening to my mom and getting this amazing customer uh, service training as a young child. But those things just do imprint on you. And it's amazing how much of those things that stick with you that you'll end up taking in your life, whether it's in a career, business, motherhood, uh, all of those things. I think that's so interesting what you said of how much of your current business and yourself came from seeing your mom and and showing up in her business. And I, I want to point this out too. This is going to go on a whole side tangent, but I think it's awesome for women to hear stories like yours, where you got so much out of seeing both your parents work, because I think that, that parents, but especially women have this experience where they feel really guilty if they're not with their kids, if they're working, you know, it's, you, you kind of get in the mindset of like, I'm being selfish if I'm wanting to start a business. And, and so I think having that story of, I actually got a lot out of seeing my mom work and a lot of special memories is a very powerful experience for other women to get to see that that's okay for your kids. Like that's a great thing for your kids to see you working towards your passions. I know a a quote from, from your book that stood out to me kind of on this subject. We're just going to go like all down this rabbit hole here because I'm I'm so curious what you think, but I love it. I know you wrote that any woman who says she has found the secret to perfect balance is either lying or concealing the truth. I thought this was so interesting and true and true. (laughs) Oh my God. If that's not true, I don't know what is. And so we're always talking about this balance. So I would love for you to speak on how you came to be with this mindset. Do you really think about like what does balance mean, especially if you're a working parent? And like, obviously you think it's a a beneficial thing in your life to see your mother work, but what advice would you give other women who may be struggling with this idea of like balancing motherhood or just their personal life and work? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important, right? First of all, motherhood in and of itself is a full-time job, which we all know. But I also think it's good for our kids to understand that, you know, in life we have lots of responsibility and, you know, and we have to be able to figure out how to do a lot of things within a 24-hour period each day. And I think for me, it's, you know, important for my kids to see me as the mom who's home cooking dinner for them, where, you know, I schedule my day to where I can do carpool. Everybody knows I go pick my kids up, get them going on their homework, and then I'm back, you know, on for certain things and bringing them to the office with me. I mean, my, my nine-year-old has a desk right outside of my desk here where he'll be doing homework and watching his mom go into meetings or he'll pop in when I'm in the middle of a design meeting. And I think it's so good. Just like I was able to go into the office with my dad, it became where it wasn't always this like weird thing, like she's gone and where does she go? They know where I was. I got to give them little snippets of it. It's not every day, right? But to see you know the things that I do and, and have them appreciate that, And, you know, I think you, you know, you also cannot do it alone and nobody 
has the ability to do all of the things, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, which can be so taxing, to be able to do things alone. And, and I really believe that we are stronger as women when we can, one, be vulnerable with one another and say, you know, I'm, this is a lot going on. Or, you know, one of my kids is sick this week and I just don't know if I can do X, Y, and Z. Or I'm trying, I have a big project at work that I'm trying to turn in. And, you know, I need to stay later this week. Could one of your moms help me out? When one of you have that ability to be more vulnerable, it allows other women who are feeling the exact same way as you many times to also feel like they can be vulnerable. And then what happens is you create this village of support and love and no judgment. And we just put it out there like, hey, I need help. And when you do that, it gives you so much strength and other women have so much more respect for you for just being honest and real because we're all just trying to do the best we can every single day. So, you know, I try to tell people, don't try to be super women. You know, Superwoman and Wonder Woman are fictional characters. They are not real. And none of us can be that. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to not make every single thing or forget something sometimes. You know, I've got other moms who in the early days of my business, when I had, you know, Kate and Beck, who are now 18 and 21, I mean, I was working like a mad woman and I was a single mom when they were little. So I was just all over the place. And I would have one of my friends who was a mom and she knew she was like my, she was like a stay-at-home mom and just a rock star. And she's like, okay, Kendra, there's a bake sale. I baked an extra dozen cookies for you because I knew you were coming back from New York last night. And I'm like, holy cow. And I just remember those moments of like, that is what it's all about. Women lifting each other up and having each other's back. If we do that, I mean, Josie, come on. This world would be an amazing place. Oh my God. It would be a different world. Yes. Wow. Okay. That is some powerful advice there. I know there's a lot of people listening that are going to have to rewind and listen to that again, because that was, (laughs) that was good. But it's so true. I mean, I think, you know, we have got as women, you know, I think sometimes when you see other women succeed, and and this is another part of the book that I, I, you know, that I really wanted to get out there was we, you know, we sometimes have a tendency to knock them, want to knock them down. Like, like, oh, you know, they got lucky or the blah, blah, blah. You know, they come instead of saying good for her. I'm so excited. She got this promotion or look at that woman starting this business. I want to go out and support her. It's a point for all of us when a woman succeeds. So let's root for her and change those conversations around the dinner table or wine with our friends. If someone starts to want to jump in and kind of attack another woman, even small, you reverse it and be like, you know what? I actually think it's really cool what she's doing. I'm so impressed with her. You know, what an amazing woman. And then that shifts the mood, right? And everyone starts to realize, wow, I sounded kind of petty and ugh. I want to be more like that. I want to lift other women up. So it can be as simple as just us making that move to change the whole dynamic. And it's just one conversation that leads to the next one, that leads to the next one, that all of a sudden it's an, an army of women loving and supporting each other. And I'm like, I get, I get excited about it because I see it happening in our offices I see it happening. You know, I have 96% women in over 2,500 employees at Kendra Scott. And it is a women, a, a, an army of women that love and support each other. And it's, an, it's just like, you get in here and you're just like, you feel this energy and optimism and positivity. And you just want to be like around it. It's electrifying. I love that you bring up that competition that we see, especially in a business like fashion. I mean, there's a lot of other jewelry designers. There's a lot of women in fashion. There's a lot of competition. It's kind of like been historically known to be a very competitive industry, but I think you can apply it to 
any industry, this idea of it's like people see someone living out the life that I want is almost like making it harder for me when I've always thought the same thing of like, no, that's validation that you can do it too. And so to lift each other up only makes sense. It's only better for all of us. I mentor, you know, business women all the time, but I mentor jewelry designers all the time. I'm not out there going, oh, if I give this jewelry designer advice, she's going to take over my business. I'm like, I want you. You're doing your own thing. You have your own look, your own designs, your own initiative. Yes, we're competing against the world, you know, and so why would I not want to help another, you know, woman from the United States, a Texas woman, whoever it might be, you know, empower her to be able to live out her dreams. So I think we've all just got to shift our mindset a little bit and know that this is a big, big world and we have the power to make it better by how we interact and really lift people up versus taking, trying to take them down. So speaking of that, I know 96% of your employees are female, which is amazing. As an all-female company, we love to hear that. And that's especially amazing for a billion-dollar company with thousands of employees to have that statistic. Like, that's huge. What do you think this female-dominated company culture has added to the success of your business? A lot of compassion. Um, You know, we lead with our hearts at Kendra Scott. We make our decision with our heart first. You know, I I even say this with hiring. You know, someone can come in with a gold-plated resume, right? But if they don't have that loving, kind spirit, the heart, share our core values, we're going to pass on them. Um, And I think, you know, that's the one thing I see here is that we have leaders that are so compassionate, but they're also passionate about inspiring and mentoring their teams. They want to see them become the next leaders within this organization. And so you've got this just really strong empowerment of supporting women. And it is something really special to see, but we lead with a lot of compassion. I mean, as women, we have that and it's not a weakness in leadership. It's not a weakness to be, you know, to have heart, to be thoughtful about things, to be emotional. Everyone says, oh, if you're, you, you can't be an emotional leader. Oh, that's absolutely ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. We are gifted. We are gifted at birth with these instincts of being emotional and, and sensitive to people's feelings, to what they're going through. And those are secret weapons for women leaders. They have to start looking at them as not a thing that we should be hiding or concealing or pushing down within ourselves. We should be pulling those things out and saying, I was given this gift to see if someone is in pain, someone's hurting, if someone needs something. I was given that gift. So let me utilize it as a leader and figure out how I can support them, what we can do to empower them, what we need to to help them get to the next place that they want to go within their lives. And I think for a, a female-led company, you see so much of that. And that's why you see higher retention. You see a happier workforce. You see women being able to have it all, be able to be mothers and know they're supported at work. You know, it's funny here. I'm one of the very first people in our company that somebody tells that they're pregnant. Most CEOs really? of companies are the last ones to hear because people are afraid, Right. Oh, they call me first because I get, I'm like, what, wait, who, huh? I get so excited. We throw the biggest parties. We have massive baby showers. I mean, I've hired so many women when they were pregnant coming into me with, you know, they're pregnant. We know that they're going to go on maternity. They're the right person for the job. It doesn't matter. That's part of what makes them amazing to me is that they're mothers and mothers can juggle all these incredible things. So I just think it's a different and unique perspective. 
And, you know, I love, you know, we've got a lot of amazing men at Kendra Scott too. Let me just give them all a shout out because they do work with 96% women. So <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> but, you know, but they're awesome and we love it. We'd love more men to work on our teams, by the way. Uh, we are an intimidating force though. I will tell you that. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I truly am like obsessed with that advice because I think, especially as a, you know, ambitious woman, as all of us are, I mean, we all have our own ambitions that we are often told, like, show your emotion less, be a little more tough, like to almost like adapt to the patriarchy instead of letting the patriarchy adapt to us, knowing that we are the better leader and those skills. Like, I love that you call them like superpowers and things that we should foster instead of push aside and pretend like we don't have that. So I, I absolutely love your advice and perspective on that. I think that's so powerful for female leaders everywhere. And I also love it because as a, a we're totally female, um, an entirely all women team ourselves at the Every Girl. And that's something I hear all the time. And it grinds my gears so much, but people would be like, oh, your team is all female. There must be a lot of drama or like, there must be a lot of emotion. And I'm like, no, it is the most supportive, amazing incredible environment that I feel like I've been able to foster my career more than I would have because there are people that are invested in not just myself and my career, but my life. And so I love that that is such a powerful perspective that the world needs to hear more of. So I I love that you're championing that. No, a hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, in the early days, we were a small team of like seven of us. And, you know, I was bringing my babies to work with me. I had a pack and play. I had a little jumpy seat. And, you know, I'd be on a call with like a Nordstrom buyer or something and I'd have to pass back, you know, baby back at the time, now 18, Aww. pass them to, you know, one of my other colleagues, female colleagues in the office, you know, and we would be, and we would, and then, you know, my designer had a baby and she's bringing her baby in. And it became this like community where we were all there supporting each other's lives. And as we continued to grow, I was like, I want to keep this culture of, support. And so we've got, you know, mother's nursing rooms here at Kendra Scott with mother's milk refrigerators and cashmere blankets and prenatal, uh, you know, vitamins. And you can bring your baby to work and nurse, or you can pump and have, you know, your milk stored. We've got a kid's room where the kids can come if they need to come after school or in the summer where they can play and have fun. And, you know, I think it's just this environment of your family comes first. So at Kendra Scott, it's family, fashion, philanthropy. Family comes first. And that means your own family and your Kendra Scott family, our customer family. And we're very thoughtful about that in every decision we make. And it allows someone to live this really happy balanced life where you can enjoy your career and you can know that you're not pressured to be anything different than the amazing woman, mother, parent, father, whoever it might be that you are, and that you've got a company behind you that's supporting you a thousand percent. I mean, I think that's you're you're breaking barriers and transforming the way that the workforce looks in so many ways. But I think even just from a business perspective, that's so smart because then all of your employees are able to show up and actually be invested instead of being so spread thin and kind of being in that in between like work home and feeling split. They actually can show up with the best ideas, with the best energy. Like, so it only makes sense from a business standpoint too. It does. And I do, you know, and I've had, you know, other people, um, mainly men, but it's, I love men. I'm not trying to bash men here, <laughs> yeah. but I've had other, you know, male CEOs being like, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you, you know, it, it, they, it's just hard to understand. Right. 
But when you really start to think about it, whether you're a father or a mother, this type of workforce works. And it works because people are able to be there where they're needed most. And that is with their families. And if they're not there with their families, it's going to start to go over into their work and make their work less efficient, productive, all of those issues. Because you know, if you're stressed about your home life, that bleeds over into every aspect of your life. So if I can help our teams figure out how to make that part of their life great and healthy and all of those things, then I know, and I trust them. I respect them. So that means, hey, you may not work a typical eight to four, nine to five, eight to six, whatever job. Maybe it works better for you to come in early and leave earlier in the afternoon. We'll work around, we can work with that, right? Or maybe you're better at nights because you want to be there in the after school time. And so we really try to just work with each individual to be like, how is this going to work and what works best for you? And how can we accommodate that so that you are living a balanced and happy life. I feel like after this, there's going to be an influx of people trying to get a hold of your HR team to work for Kendra Scott. <laughs> we would love it. We always love great people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so freaking good. Like, why doesn't every company in the world do this? Like, it's so smart. Hopefully we'll be a beacon. You know, and I always yeah. say that, like, I think, you know, we are um, being disruptive and in, in how we think and what we do. We're very disruptive in fashion, being in Texas, not on the coasts. I mean, I was told, Josie, that I couldn't be a successful fashion brand if I wasn't based either in New York or LA. Really? And we stuck to our Austin, Texas roots. I love where we are. I felt like it gave us, it was part of the DNA of our brand, which gave us our unique design perspective. And so, you know, I think that's such a, a thing too, is like a lot of times people will say, well, this is how it's been done, or this is how it should be done, or this is what, and, you know, we're breaking that mold. So many other women out there are breaking that mold. And I love to see it because there isn't, the world is small now, as we know, uh, during COVID, we were able to, you know, talk to our friends overseas, like no, no problems at all with thank you, thanks to Zoom and all of these other great uh, methods out there. But I think that's such an important thing is, you know, when somebody tells you you can't do something, first of all, don't listen to that. But second, you know, you can be anywhere in the world and be successful. And here we are, Austin, Texas, with a successful fashion brand. Who would have thunk? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk, huh? So I, I would love for you to walk our our listeners through the, maybe like Sparknote, obviously, because I was going to say the entire trajectory of Kendra Scott, because I, I would love to, your story is so interesting, how Kendra Scott came to be, how you became this massive empire. So if you could give like the, the Sparknote version, I know that there was a lot there, of starting the business, how you thought of it, and how you grew to the in hugely successful brand that it is now. Yeah. I mean, when I started, I really, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I always say this, if you're looking for something that you can't find, there's probably other people out there that are looking for the same thing, you know? That, and so for me, I loved semi-precious gemstones. I loved color and I loved natural stones. And anything that was out there, I couldn't afford at the time. And I just thought if there was a way to make beautiful quality handcrafted jewelry that had these gorgeous stones in them, but that were attainable, like an earring under a hundred dollars or less. I'm not saying cheap, like, you know, going to a, a mall store and getting plastic or acrylic or whatever. This is still quality goods, but attainable for a woman. 
that maybe other women would like that too. So it's literally kind of where I set out. I love taking natural stones and mixing stones together to make really fun color combinations and things that were a little unexpected. And initially just started right out of my bedroom. I didn't have any investment capital. I took a little bit of money, $500 out of our account to make my first collection. Wow. Uh, actually had to sell that collection after I wrote orders on my first day of selling as all my samples because I needed enough money to buy the materials to produce the orders I had written. So very, very, you know, out of, you know, bootstrapped in every possible way and just started growing. But I realized, you know, that going into these boutiques, I wanted to be more present for them. I, I was listening to the retailers. What's selling? If something wasn't selling, I want to get it out of your case. I want to put something else in there. I'll do trunk shows. I want to meet your customers. I was like out there, you know, doing all of these things and hustling. I mean, not just sitting back waiting for the phone to ring. I was just out there re-merchandising there, you know, trying to make them exciting for how, you know, customers were seeing the product and those relationships. And this is what Kendra Scott has been built on is connection. It is connection before transaction always. And I know that in time, transaction will usually follow. But when you make a true connection with somebody, it's different, right? Than just transactional behavior. And so I was connecting with these boutique owners, understanding their needs, their desires, the things that they were frustrated about. And I was really listening to them and trying to fill a void. And that started to build success. And one boutique led to 10, 10 led to 100, 100 led to 500. And I was just selling wholesale for the first eight years. So I was just producing and selling to other boutiques and, and then department stores. So got Nordstrom. Nordstrom, I was still in my extra bedroom. They had no idea how small I was. Wow. I actually ticketed and carded that order with my mom and a few of my best friends on my dining room table. And they picked it up on my doorstep. That is like, the, and I wow. joke with Pete. Yes, I joke with Pete Nordstrom today. I was like, you know, you had, you guys had no, you had no idea how small <laughs> we were, but that gave us fuel, right? It gave us fuel in the tank to keep building, building, building. And I tried to get investors, and I would walk into a very tech savvy city, which was Austin. Fashion wasn't happening here, right? And almost get laughed out of boardrooms of people thinking, I just don't get it. Why aren't you a tech company? You know, in the early 2000s, everybody was a tech company. I'm like, no, I'm not a tech company. But I just kept forging through and I ended up getting some great mentors and advisors. And they said, Kendra, just keep con continuing to do what you're doing and the rest will happen. You'll, the phone will start ringing someday. And we did. And so in 2010, I realized I really wanted to have more of a direct connection to the consumer. And I wasn't getting that through just selling wholesale. And so right in the midst of the Great Recession, I decided I wanted to kind of change the way we were doing business and focus on direct-to-consumer. And so opened a retail store when all the retail stores around us were shuttering in Austin at the time. I really developed an e-commerce website. I created a customization tool called Color Bar where customers could pick the stones of their jewelry and put it in different settings online. And we would actually hand make them in our Austin studio and ship them out. This was before like Nike ID and, and all those guys. But I wanted the customer to connect to us in a unique way where she was playing in the design process alongside of me. And that was, again, part of that. How do I continue to reach her? I thought of our stores different too. If we were going to open a store, I wanted it a place for community. Philanthropy has always been at the heart of my company. Uh, I lost my stepfather to brain cancer and knew that I wanted 
to do something good, that we had such a limited time. And so bringing community into my store, we started hosting Kendra Gives Back events with some of my favorite local charities. And all of a sudden, you know, this community within our brand was being formed and our stores were so successful. We were being disruptive in jewelry. Jewelry was freely displayed on tables, not under glass. I wanted customers to pick up and try on. And, you know, it created a lot of excitement. We'd have lines around our store here in Austin. And I remember thinking, we might be onto this retail thing. At first, I thought I was only going to open one store. Hence, we now have over 130 stores wow. across the country. Uh, retail, our retail stores make up the of over half of our of our annual sales each really? year. Really? Wow. And we, you know, we still have our wonderful wholesale partners that we love and adore, but we're able to really have this direct connection with our customer. And that's when you saw the lightning in a bottle growth, so to speak, was from 2010, from that first little store opening to today. It has always been that, you know, our customers have connected more when they get to walk through our stores. It's a really special energy when you walk in a Kendra Scott store. It's a lot of fun. And our goal is that you leave with a smile. If you don't leave with a yellow bag today, that's okay. We are just happy you stopped in and we hope you had a great time. I'm so glad you hit all the points that I just from like reading your book and researching you. I like hope I, that was spark <laughs> enough. It's hard to do spark, hard. you know, in 20 years. You oh know, my God. It's a I, lot of stuff. You've got a, a, a long span of a career to summarize. So you did the perfect <laughs> job. But I'm so glad, like, you touched on all those points that to me, like, was so groundbreaking to see the way that you're doing your business because I think that you are such a great example that people don't have a lot in a CEO or even in the founder of something where you are always very much aware of the customer's experience and the connection that you have with them more than the product, more than the sales. Like you, you seem like you have always had the focus on that, like what's really important about this. And I think that's so rare to see in someone who's so successful and such a powerful message for people, you know, whether they're starting businesses or not, to know how important, like at the end of the day, the purpose of business, any business, is to connect, to have a product that you feel proud of, whether it's something that is like philanthropy or something that's like you're, you know, making a, I don't know, peanut butter. Like that's still gonna make someone feel good and be something that they enjoy. And so like remembering the purpose is so critical. And I think that's an absolutely everything that you do. And also so interesting that like you kind of went into this brick and mortar business at a time when everybody else was like, oh, we're going to shut down our our brick and mortar. Like we don't need real estate. We're just going to do e-commerce and be online. Like you did the opposite and it's been so crazy successful. And I can totally see that as a, as a customer, as a consumer, that it has added to the experience people have. And that's why people keep coming back to Kendra Scott and want to be a part of Kendra Scott because of the experience they feel instead of just the products alone being amazing, but they are connecting it to a feeling, which I think is like so powerful. And a moment of time in their lives. Like I love it when, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time in stores and I'm actually, you know, I don't think there's a week that goes by that I'm not in one of our stores. And I love meeting our customers. I love hearing their stories. I read every Instagram comment, by the way. So be kind and nice, you know, um, because I'm so, I want to know, I want to be in tune with, with w- what she wants and sees. And I, I meet these women and, and I had a woman come up to me in the store and she had these little like babies in, in her thing. And she was like emotional. And she said, Kendra, 
Sandra, I just want to tell you, you have been a part of all the biggest moments of my life. She said, I found your jewelry when my mother had cancer and you gifted a piece of jewelry at the oncology center to women battling cancer that day. And my mom, who had been feeling sick and terrible, she lit up like she hadn't lit up in weeks. And right away, the connection that she felt she put on this rose quartz piece of jewelry, which was the healing stone, she read a handwritten note from one of your, you know, one of our staff at at our store had written her a handwritten note. And she said, immediately, I didn't even really know about your brand at the time. And, but this connection was huge. And so I went into your store because I wanted a matching necklace so my mom and I could have them. She's like, during her battle, we wore that. We came to your store many times after treatment because it was a place to cheer her up. They always made her feel special and beautiful and would have lemonade or a cupcake or a cookie or something, anything. And she said, and I built this relationship with this team in this store. And then I got engaged and I came for all of my wedding day jewelry. She's like, this is before I had the engagement line. But she said, I came for all my wedding day jewelry And, you know, my mom was able to make my wedding and she said, and then after she passed away, she was buried in her necklace and she's, so she, she has that necklace and she gifted it to all the people in her family, that rose quartz necklace. I mean, I'm getting emotional. Oh my God. She's like, when my children were born, my son, my husband came in and bought me and she showed me her diamond version of her Elisa necklace that she got when her first child was born that he gifted her in the hospital, the other biggest moment of her life. And I'm like in tears telling you the story because (laughs) I have so many customers like this that have had these interactions with our brand and our company in such an amazing personal way, but it has meant so much to us and our teams. And like when she walks in the door and I saw how our employees greeted her and and hugged and embraced her, this was somebody that they loved and cared about. And I just, I think it's just so different. And I, and I don't, I don't know people say, what's your secret sauce? I mean, ours is that we just really love people and we want to spread joy and we want people to feel good, not just look good. We want people to feel good. And I think that's what you get at Kendra Scott. You get that when you walk in our doors, you get that when you attend a philanthropy event like Kendra Cares in one of our hospitals, you see it and it's real, it's authentic. And I think that's the big difference. Oh my God, that, I mean, that whole story gave me chills. And and to think that that was just one powerful example of all the amount of women that you've affected is so, so cool. So I was going to ask you, what do you think yeah. made the brand so successful? But I, I think that that's, you hit the nail on the head, like that that's different than what I personally have heard of any other company being so aware of the individual person's experience instead of thinking of them as like, okay, you know, we're scaling this huge business that's now global and awesome. And we're having all these numbers and we're getting like, it's that it's it, even I'm talking to you and just interviewing you about your career. And the focus is on, I had this one story with this one woman who was a part of of all these different moments. Like it, it makes me emotional too, to just see how much of a difference you are making in individual lives and that you are always aware of that. Like, I think that that's a really powerful example for anyone listening to remember the purpose of business of why we do what we do, but like, what is the purpose of life in general? What kind of work do you want to be in? Who do you want to work for? So I think that that's a very powerful reflection for people to have and kind of like use in their own life. So thank you for sharing that story too. That was absolutely like, I could, I honestly have like tearing up a little bit too, especially watching you tear up. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think like for me and I see, you know, multi-generations in our stores too, like I'll go in and I'll see three generations 
you know, a, a grandmother, a daughter, and then her granddaughter, and they're all shopping. They're all finding something they love. They're all having this fun afternoon together, whatever. And I look at that too. And I think those experiences are so important. And again, I don't know very many brands where you could have three generations of women together enjoying a brand and having so much fun, you know, and having this experience. So I work for our customer every day. She's my boss. She signs my check. She signs everybody's check. And I want her to be surprised and delighted. I want to wow her. I want to make her day. I want to know that if she's having a rough day, that we can help turn it around. And that's how we train our folks is that it isn't, you know, yes, is it important to know the product knowledge and the stones? Of course, that's important, but that's not the most important. The most important is that every single person that interacts with this brand feels seen and valued and loved and heard, and we're there for them in a positive way that we have made their day brighter than it was before. Then we have succeeded. And that's all the sales training they really need. Wow. Oh my God. This is the most fun I've ever had talking about business for sure. Like this is it. <laughs> oh my God, Kendra. It's so it cool. is fun and it should so be fun. fun. It should yeah. be fun. It should be fun. It should be fun. It's so powerful. It's so cool. In your book, you describe the power of no as a surprise gift. I would love for you to speak on this. What does the power of no mean to you and why is it a surprise gift? Okay. Well, first of all, if you look at the word no in a mirror, Josie, and I say this often, so people might've heard it, it's on, it says on. And so I have been told no in the most unbelievable ways, like not right now, maybe not, you know, all these creative ways of being told no. Every single time I've been told no, this is how I think about it. I think, okay, well, you know what? We're talking because before this no, we weren't even talking. And on means I'm going to learn something from this no that you're giving me today. So you don't like my collection this season. Tell me why. What didn't you see that you hoped you would see? What could I have done differently? What are you buying this season? What other things are you interested in? And I become a sponge of information. I want to learn from this. And then I say to them, thank you so much for this great information for sharing with me. I'm going to see you next spring, this next season, and I'm going to bring you a collection. I'm going to listen to some of the things that you said. Now, look, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, you know, and some of the, you know, I'm not going to create something totally different, right? But I'm listening to you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to see you again. And I can't wait. And thanks again. And I'm always leaving with that next opportunity. And it may be three, four, five, six seasons. In some cases, it's been years before I got that no turned into a yes, but I didn't give up on that no. And I always took it as an opportunity to learn. Every failure in my life has been the greatest gift. You know, my first retail business was a hat company. It failed after five years. I would love for you to talk about this because I love your hat company story. I love it. I failed after five years of trying to make this, this company work. And when it shut down, I mean, I was devastated. But when I look now at all the lessons I learned about retail, about, I mean, it was the greatest education I could have ever been given. And there were things I did right, but there were a lot of things I did wrong. And I was able to take all of those nuggets of information to then utilize them to build a successful company that I had today. If I did not have that failure, I would not be sitting here talking to you. I would not be the founder of a billion-dollar brand. I had to experience that to be able to get to where I am today. And a lot of times I say those no's, those failures, or sometimes people say missteps, they're actually the bridge 
to get you to the next place in your life, the next most beautiful opportunity that's waiting for you. But you have to go through them and be able so you can cross that bridge and get to where you're headed. And so it absolutely has been for me, you know, I love when somebody says, I can't do something. Um, You know, you can't be a designer if you're not on the coast. Like I said earlier, I'm like, ooh, tell me, tell me again that I can't do it. <laughs> Challenge you know? I get accepted. excited about yeah. Challenge accepted. So I think next time you hear that, you have an option in that moment. It's no in your mind forever. They said, no, I'm, uh, they don't want me. They don't like me. I'm out. That's over. Or you can say, okay, the conversation just got started and I'm going to try to continue this conversation by turning things on by how I respond to that no. An example in my company was an, I had an employee who worked for me for over 15 years. She tried to get a job with me and put a resume. It was told, you know, she didn't, whatever it was, it wasn't the right time, whatever. She never stopped. She kept writing letters. She'd send me notes. She's like, I want to work for this company. And her tenacity of like, she's not this, her name was Lauren. She's not giving up. I'm like, I need to talk to this woman. Well, sure enough, she was amazing. She became a district manager. She became a regional manager for our retail teams. But she didn't give up. And I think all of us, you know, it's not like on the level of stalking. Okay, let's not go crazy. <laughs> but but being persistent and doing it in a way that is smart. And even if you never get the yes, okay, from that person, think about how much you learned in that process when you can get that. Because most people aren't expecting you to ask questions like that. They're expecting you to put your tail between your legs and walk out the door. And if you turn back around and you smile bright and put your shoulders back and say, hey, before I go, I'd just like to learn, you know, I want to be, I want to learn from this. Tell me what I could have done different today. They're going to like, whoa, like this is awesome. And what's the worst thing they can do? They can just say, "Eh, I'm not going to tell you that you haven't lost anything. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it's a, it's an important way to look at that word. Oh my God. It's, I mean, I I can only think of, I'm, I'm thinking of all the times that I've heard no, like how different that would be if I had turned around and said that. And if I had said, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. I would love to learn what could I've done differently? What was it that you didn't see us clicking? Even I'm thinking like in dating too. I feel like this applies also. Like you obviously are not going to, you know, the the guy who goes to you, you're not going to be like, what didn't you like? And give me like a full feedback, but maybe to think about like, okay, where were those maybe like red flags that I didn't notice how do I learn from this? Like, I think that you can apply that to every rejection. I just had this conversation with my sons about dating. And I said, you know, it's like, they're just kind of early in their stages of dating. And, you know, when your first love, especially you think like, oh my gosh, it's over. I'm like, you know, each relationship, friendship or otherwise, you're getting gifts of things that you're going to love about someone and things that you're going to be like, oh, that thing really bothered me or that really... And as you start to meet, you're going to identify those things in the person that is right for you. Even in friendships, we, you know, you start to build your friends around people that share your core values, things that you care about. And so I say that all the time. I think it, it's, it works in all aspects of life for sure. And in the moment, hey, it can still suck. It can still be painful. It can still make us sad. It can still make us cry. It can still make our gut wrench. And that's all normal. I'm not asking everybody to be like positive Patty and be like, oh, this is fun getting dumped or this is great getting a no. (laughs) Yes, it's it's not necessarily that way, right? But at the same time, 
when you can sit with it, go get over your, you know, weepingness and your frustration, then you can go, okay, I'm going to try to figure out what I'm learning from this. What did I, what did I miss? What am I? And then staying open to an opportunity in the future, not shutting yourself down of being like, I will never date again, or I will never get married again, or I will never, you know, go out for another job like this again. Being open to the possibility that something great is waiting for you and utilizing that experience that you had maybe, you know, a month ago, a year ago, whenever it was to help you make the decisions that are going to help you propel forward in your life. What you just explained, I feel like is how someone gets their power back from any rejection they feel like that's how they're getting their power back. Yes. Okay. This is a little bit of a side tangent. This is the last thing I just have got to ask you about before we wrap up. I am a huge nerd about Shark Tank. So I just really (laughs) want to know about your experience. You were a shark, which is so iconic. So cool. What was your experience like on Shark Tank? And then I will let you leave, but I just have to know first. Okay. No worries. (laughs) Okay. I love being a shark. Okay. Let me just tell you, I love it so much. I love my other sharks. They are all so amazing and sweet actually and really, really nice people. Yes. That's something yes. you don't expect. I mean, they may not want me to share that because they want to keep <laughs> yeah. their persona of me, right? But, the shark. But I can tell you it is, you know, I am nothing gets me more pumped up than being around entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs. So to be in the tank when you see these unbelievable entrepreneurs being so brave and courageous, pitching their idea to these, you know, on television, in front of all these people, in front of these amazing sharks, I can, I see myself in so many of these entrepreneurs. Uh, in my early days, I can relate so well to so so where they are. I mean, I started out of my extra bedroom. So many of these entrepreneurs are starting out of their garage, or you know, it's an idea that they started on their dining room table. And so I can put myself in their shoes so easily. I can feel that moment that they're sitting in right now and have a lot of empathy. But at the same time, you know, be able to push them on areas where I think, hey, you might want to focus here more. Or are you considering this? Or are you spending too much time here? And give them a little bit of a 360 perspective. But it's so fun. And I think, you know, I'm I'm having an absolute blast. I've invested in some great, you know, entrepreneurs. I can't wait to, you know, to go back on. And I'm just, I'm thrilled for the opportunity. And and entrepreneurship is more alive today than it ever has been. And oh I think, gosh. you know, I, I said this in an interview recently is that, you know, it really is, I think COVID, one of the gifts of COVID is it sparked this entrepreneurial spirit in people who may have been just so rushed in their day-to-day lives that they had these ideas like percolating and they were wanting to to do something, but they didn't have the opportunity. I think COVID gave a lot of people this opportunity to take risks and to try something different and new. And so I'm excited to see what comes out of all of this because I think the entrepreneurial spirit is really just more alive and exciting than ever before. I totally agree. Like if people are, I think, rethinking what do I want my work life to actually look like? What do I want to dedicate my time yes. and my life to? So I, I totally agree. I think it's so cool. I think you're amazing on Shark Tank. Thank the you. episode that I, I actually just watched it recently of the, I think it was the um, founder of the Boutte Bag that you were yeah. talking to. And I, something that was so cool. I didn't even write this down. I swear this is, I like just memorized it because I thought it was so interesting and so powerful. You were like doing a deal with one of the other sharks. I think it was Barbara but you stopped and you were like, I no longer am going to do that deal because I saw in your eyes that that made you feel less worthy than what you are. 
And that's of all, I mean, I love Shark Tank. I've watched so many episodes. That was the (laughs) most powerful moment of any episode I've watched. And it was true. I mean, I felt, and you know, you what what we don't realize when you're watching it, it's actually 35 minutes that that entrepreneur is talking really? about. So oh there's a lot of editing that goes into those pitches. But when you're sitting, you really in 35 minutes, you're starting to connect with this that person. You know, for me, and and I, and as you can tell, I am such a like I like look at someone and I just see what they're feeling. I mm-hmm. feel their emotion, and and I felt that, and I have felt that way so many times in rooms where I felt like somebody has taken my worth away and I knew it. I saw it in her face and I was just like, not today, not happening while I'm here, not Mm -hmm. today. I love being able to give a unique and different perspective in the tank. And, um, I think, you know, for everybody, it's been, it's been really, it's been really fun and and exciting. And I think the best is yet to come. So it's fun. Good. I'm very excited (laughs) for more Kendra episodes. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Kendra, we are going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Okay. First one, what is your coffee order? A cappuccino, non-fat with a little cinnamon and sugar. Yum. Very fancy, but (laughs) simple. I like it. I like it. Yes. Okay. Next question. The biggest difference between your 20s, 30s, and 40s? 20s, I think I was so intimidated by the fact that I had not finished college. My friends had finished college. Then I had a failed business under my belt with the hat box. And I was always afraid of somebody to ask me, like, where did you go to school? And I just had lost that like inner confidence. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I was afraid to be authentic. In my 30s, I started to be able to be more courageous. And I started to be able to kind of like, okay, become a little bit more secure in who I was, but still not a completely like, this is who I am, take it or leave it, folks. That came in my 40s. And my 40s have been my favorite decade thus far, is that I have that ability to laugh at myself, I can be honest with who I am. I joke that I graduated with a master's in the school of hard knocks very proudly now to people. And I think it's just, you know, over time we gain that, right? And I know now, you know, in my 40s, I just, I feel like it's just me and I'm I'm real comfortable with who I am. And I wish I had more of that in my 30s and 20s, (laughs) to be honest. I love that answer. That for me, I'm like, I'm 27. So I'm like, I have so much in my 30s and 40s to look forward to. I can't wait. You're going to love, hey guys, 40s, the new 20, I think. I don't know. I, Is that, I could agree. That Can we go there? Yeah. I mean, I feel like 50s, the new 30 because of all these like stunning celebrities that are like naked on the cover of magazine look amazing at like 50, hey, 60. I am almost just, I turned 49 in March, end of March. So I'm a year away from 50, Josie. Okay. You could so be can you please- 20. You literally could be 20. That's shocking. <laughs> could you please tell me that the 50 is the new 30? I would yes. be so happy to hear that. Okay. Okay. Yes. Good. 50, 50 is the new 25. Honestly. My publicist really is. is here and she said a hundred percent. So yeah. ladies out there, don't, don't stress. You got a long runway. Got a long <laughs> runway. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I love that answer. Go to hack that has helped you automate your life or made your life easier in some way. My go-to hack, I mean, I love voice note. Um, I actually wrote Born to Shine with my talking because I'm a very good storyteller. But when I have to sit there and type or use my thumbs on my phone, it, it just becomes, and I forget my thought because I'm, I'm also a fast talker, if you, can, <laughs> if you haven't noticed that. So I really love the ability to be able to write a letter to someone 
and speak it out. You know, dear Josie, how are you? I'll have you. I can do that so easily and it can create a document. I can go and edit it and then I can send it. And what I realized is all of my letters, interactions are so much more me when I do it this way versus plunk, 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 typing it out on my keyboard. So I love that you can do voice to text on almost everything now. And it has just been a wonderful thing. And I can get my nails longer because I can, you know, not have to type as efficiently. <laughs> We're not typing. That's <laughs> yeah. a genius hack. That's, I need to start doing that. That's so smart. That's so smart. Okay. Last question. What do you want women listening to take away, not just from your book, but from the empire you built? That truly anything is possible and that you don't have, you don't do this alone. Uh, my name is on Kendra Scott, the brand. I'm the lucky one, but I am surrounded by amazing men and women every day that are truly the DNA of this brand. And it's the collaboration of all of us that created this beautiful company. It's the collaboration of your friendships in your life that make your days happy. So you don't have to be a superwoman. You cannot do things alone in life. Ask for help. Surround yourself with people that love and believe in you. And truly anything is possible. You have the best advice ever. Like literally you have <laughs> the best advice. Kendra, thank you so, so much. Like I said thank before, you. this really was like a pinch me moment for me to get to talk to you. So thank you so much. Where can everybody find you and shop Kendra Scott? So at Kendra Scott on Instagram, uh, all of the, the platforms, right? www.kendrascott.com. At official Kendra Scott is my like personal one where you can see more of my behind the scenes family craziness. So if you're really wanting some of that, you can go to official Kendra Scott, but yeah, all those places. And then come visit us in store. If there's a store near you, we'd love to have you come in through our front doors and give you that warm uh, Kendra Scott welcome. Do you post the five dogs on your Instagram? All the time. Okay. All the time. The dogs are, the dogs are front and center, especially Duke, but all the dogs are front and center. And you got to go born to shine available on Amazon. And I did the audio book so you can hear me just speak to you while you're on your drive to work or, you know, all those things, getting ready in the morning. You have such a good like podcast voice. So I'm so glad that you did an audio version. That's going to be so successful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kendra. Thank you for having me. I loved it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or theeverygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.